Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge explosion of fire for John Forrest. The car exploded going through the lights and this is as bad a fire. On this episode, it's Funny Car Fever with Gainesville winner Matt Hagen and Alcohol Funny Car Points leader Shane Westerfield. It's going to be Tim Wilkerson. Wilkerson goes 391-2. Two Funny Car wheelmen talking about what it takes to win in the NHRA and in the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series. Perfect reaction time for Dallas Glenn. Triple zeros across the top of the time slip and at the finish line stripe it's Dallas Glenn. This is the NHRA Insider. It's Bruce Pentagon, 395.8, 324 miles an hour. It marks a victory of 26 ten thousandths of a second. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here with another episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We are between races. Of course, Gainesville was an incredible experience and we are looking forward to next weekend's foray of the four wide nationals in Las Vegas. And uh, that's going to be fun to our first four wide experience of the year. One of two we'll have, of course, Vegas and Charlotte, those two races, which are uh, not too far apart from each other. We go to Vegas and then we find ourselves uh, going to Houston, then Charlotte. So it's going to be great. Uh, Houston, of course, uh, is supposed to be the last event ever at Houston, but there are some signs pointing to maybe that that's not the case. We'll hopefully find out more about that in the coming weeks, and it uh, would be fantastic to get another one down there in Houston. Baytown is a great area uh, to go drag racing in. It is fast, as always, down there. The fans come out and support the racetrack, and it's been a staple part of the tour. I think a lot of us are still looking back over the Gainesville race and in awe of what we saw, not only from the fan base, but also from the performance end of things, the national record in Factory Stock Showdown, Pro Stock motorcycle pro stock eliminator Um, we saw incredible performances across the board and we're going to follow up on those performances with matt hagan this weekend uh, this week on this show as well as with camry caruso karen stouffer and robert height Uh, we're going to talk to them via uh, skype those will be uh, interviews available soon on nhra.com and across our social media channels but in this show it'll be matt hagan who obviously got his first ever Gainesville win, the first win for Tony Stewart Racing in the NHRA. And it'll be Shane Westerfield. Westerfield, of course, racing with Rick Jackson out there in the West Coast, uh, a premier alcohol funny car team. And these guys have the parts and the pieces and the skill level to compete for a national championship this year. And it's going to be fun to uh, kind of talk to Shane about that, talk to him about his career, and talk to him about what has uh, kind of brought him to this point with this great team it does seem to me that uh, Westerfield who has driven some great cars over the years really does have perhaps his best championship uh, potential shot here in this 2022 Lucas Oil drag racing season when we look at uh, the sportsman performances in Gainesville were almost as impressive as the pro performances in so many ways. Jasmine Salinas picking up that first win in Top Alcohol Dragster. That happened on Monday. The Top Alcohol Funny Car Final delayed because the team of Sean Bellamure had to depart company with the racetrack. They are going to finish that up. Uh, the final between him and Matt Gill will be finished up when we get to the Charlotte event. So it's just uh, one of those things where, as we always tend to do during this uh, spring season where the weather is very unpredictable, predictable you kind of roll with the punches uh we do seem to get back to some predictability of weather when we get to vegas because of the fact that it is the desert and um well it may get cold out there uh at this time of the year it typically does not present uh, other obstacles that mother nature can throw at us 
There has been some good news announced this week in the world of Top Fuel Drag Racing. Justin Ashley announcing that Phillips Connect will be on the side of his car for the entirety of the 2022 NHRA Camping World Drag Racing season, and that's big. Uh, obviously, they've started out on the right foot with that car, winning the opening race of the season, and Phillips Connect, their senior vice president, Jim Epler, has deep roots in NHRA, of course, the first man to ever go 300 in a nitro funny car, and he is a guy that sees the value and what uh, the sport brings to Phillips Connect. They do a lot of work with their customers. They bring people out to the races. And Phillips Connect is an interesting technology company. They develop, uh, let's call it, smart solutions for trucking companies of trailer tracking and all kinds of different sensors and and other sort of uh, technological advancements that trucking fleets can use across the country. And, of course, uh, that kind of technology and that kind of relationship they can build, not only with their customers, but with some of the other folks that are involved in NHRA drag racing could be very beneficial to them. It's a great partnership so far, and uh, it's great to know that we're going to have that stability with Justin Ashley. Not that we ever doubted it. I feel like those guys would find a way to get to the racetrack no matter what, but to have that stability um, with that car, sporting those Phillips Connect colors, and it's a good-looking wrap on the top fuel car as well, will be very interesting. Now, I believe we talked about it on last week's show, but as of right now, the uh, Pep Boys All-Star Top Fuel call-out semifinal and final round is slated to be contested at the U.S. Nationals, um, that will that change? I don't know. We've we've announced it a couple of times. We said it on the television show. Um, I think we also said it's subject to potentially change at a later date. But uh, if that's the case, uh, we're going to have to keep close tabs on how everybody how everybody's ha- holding up by the time we get to Indy to see how those four racers who made it to the second round of the the Pep Boys Top Fuel All Star Callout will advance themselves into the final round, and then ultimately who's going to get the big check. So that Indy weekend does have the Pep Boys Funny Car All-Star Callout as well. So that'll be, as it should be at the U.S. Nationals, just a jam-packed opportunity for NHRA fans to get a little piece of everything, as it usually is. Car counts are looking pretty good for Vegas. We have 18 Funny Cars already pre-registered. We have 18 Pro Stockers already pre-registered. Uh, top Fuel at this moment, I believe, is 15, but I would expect us to land somewhere in that 16 to 18 car window. Uh, likely with 17 by the time all the dust is settled and all things are said and done as far as pre-entries go. So that would continue our a really nice hot streak beginning the season with full fields and bump spots across the board at uh, every race so far. It's been uh, a great thing to see. Of course, it changed the entire dynamic of Top Fuel in Gainesville when we saw Leah, we saw Antron and Sean Langdon not make the field with that single qualifying session. Uh, they smoked the tires and were unable to run in elapsed time quick enough to actually qualify for the show. And it added a curveball that we have not experienced in NHRA drag racing for a long time, and that is when you have premier racers not qualify. And this is something that happened. You know, we talked to the the Kenny Bernsteins and the Joe Amatos of the world from that era, uh, and it was a fairly – I'm not going to say it was a regular occurrence because those guys were great champions, but it was not uncommon for people of that ilk, for people of that skill level and of that budgetary level to not make the show. And it, it makes things very much more interesting when when that risk exists. And I, I hate to see it happen on a single qualifying session like in Gainesville. But at the same time, uh, everybody had their single qualifying session and some teams uh, made out better than others, which is the nature of the business. So um, that drama and that excitement and that potential for missing events is a big deal. And, you know, when we talk about a a top 10, uh, a countdown um you know, a countdown field when we close out the U.S. Nationals, 
uh, if you're not qualifying for races, that is a that is a scary prospect because you know if this happens again, God forbid, to any of those teams, uh, which again, if you get 18 or 20 of these cars showing up, 21, 22 of these cars showing up at some places, there is ample opportunity for somebody to stub their toe and not make the field. So you know if that potential exists for any of these teams to miss one or multiple shows at that part of the season, uh, it can get pretty dicey when we try to figure out a countdown. And, you know, the the clause of, uh, you know, the clause of making all the qualifying sessions and getting in is nice on paper. But if it puts you 14th and you effectively need to, you know, run, win every single round and, and in the process of doing so, you know, be perfect, um, that is not a good odds to win. So it's going to be really cool uh, and interesting on, on a fan perspective to see how any early season issues manifest themselves later on down the line when we're we're shaking out a countdown field later on in the season. It is uh, it is again one of those off weeks. The teams are back in in Indianapolis. They're servicing their equipment and they are getting ready to make the haul out west to uh, to Las Vegas. And once we run Vegas, we'll have a week or two off before we go down to Houston. So all in all, a great start to the season and a great uh, a great jumping off point for us here. As I talked a little bit about Gainesville, the commitment of the fans to slog through the mud to get to where they were going. We saw you know big giant pickup trucks, three quarter ton trucks just sunk down to the axles. They had farm tractors and wreckers driving around to pull people out and um it, it was hardcore fans that made it to Gainesville and a lot of them so the Vegas experience promises to be less muddy uh let's just put it that way less muddy and and hopefully more dry because I don't think it could get more wet a guy who uh was not sweating the rain he was not sweating the track surface is Matt Hagan he won Gainesville for the first time and hitting leadoff on the show this week is Matt Hagan so uh, allow me now to transition into this conversation into this conversation I had just a few minutes ago with Matt Hagan all right, so our first guest on this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast, a guy who claimed his first Gainesville victory of a storied career so far, Matt Hagen. How you doing, man? Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show, brother. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, Gainesville, man. They've been slipping through my fingers for, what, 14 years, I guess, you know, and, and it being like my 40th win, but first Gainesville, you know? Yeah, and you've done everything but win that race. You and Robert blew up cars side by side. I mean, you've literally done everything at Gainesville but hoist a Wally, so you can check that one off the list. <laughs> man, I was trying to forget about me and Robert. That was uh, that was nasty, man. I got out, I was like, well, this is, uh, this is a mess up here, but who won? You know what I mean? Like, parts and pieces everywhere. Dude, one of the things we've noticed, and and you know, you've always been an energetic guy. You've always been a guy who who gives great answers and 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 really kind of emotional answers during interviews. But your energy this year, man, at the top end of the racetrack is crazy. I I, I got to know about this because it it like leaps off the TV screen. We see it like radiating off you. You just must be in a really good place right now. Man, I, I really am. I'm in a great headspace. You know, I mean, I've been doing this for a minute, but, you know, there's there's always things that come up and fires you're putting out and stuff you're dealing with in business and personal life and, you know, just a lot of stuff always that you're, you know, kind of doing behind the scenes. And this is the, like the first year, like, you know, that I'm just, I'm in a great place, you know, with, with everything, you know, I'm just very, very blessed and I got no drama in my life and my businesses are doing good. And, you know, I'm just focused and showing up and ready to drive a race car. And, you know, the atmosphere that Tony has provided for, for us has just been one of those kind of like, Hey boys, get it done. This is what I expect of you, but you know, I'm not going to stand over you and, and let's just go do it and have fun doing it. And, and I think that's, that's really cool because him as a racer, he, he understand how, how important it is to have fun racing. You know what I mean? And, and don't get me wrong. It's, 
you know, you know it's something we take very serious. I mean, Absolutely. what these sponsors pay to, to be there, you can buy a small home every, every weekend. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it's, it's very important, but the atmosphere and the environment is just, it's just awesome, man. And I'm just, I'm just taking it all in. And I'm loving it. I'm just, you know, it's just a great experience. And I just, uh, I'm in just a really good headspace right now. And listen, uh, to, to grab your first win for TSR um, and for the team on the same day that Briscoe goes out there and, and wins the NASCAR race in Phoenix, I mean, the dude was, the dude like floated into the winner's circle. I saw you after you'd done your, your press conference and I had been chatting with, uh, with Dickie and Tony down there in, in the uh, winner's circle and he, the guy was on cloud nine. Yeah, I mean, how do you ask for much more? I mean, it was like Dickie's birthday, his first Gator win, my first Gator win. I mean, Tony won two, two, you know, big events that weekend. Like, it's just like the sun, the stars, and the moon, and everything lined up, man. And, and not not taking anything away from anybody we race, but it's like a lot of heavy hitters went out that weekend, and it's just like it, it, you know, it goes to show you how much Dickie had to adapt to the conditions because these cars that run really hard and really fast and run up front a lot of times. You know, a lot of crew chiefs struggled to pull them back, and you know they went out and smoked the tires, and just were having to pedal a lot and different things. And I, and I did first round, but Dickie was able to recover after that and make the adjustments to to uh, make the car go down the racetrack. And you know, semifinals and finals, I was like, man, Dickie's really got it dialed in, you know. And and it just it just goes to show you the type of crew chief that dude is, man. Like he can, you know, you give him give him enough, uh, you know, data, and he'll make it happen, you know. Did it surprise you? And and. In retrospect, it shouldn't have surprised me, but the fact there was only one qualifying session played a big role in this. But did it surprise you that we didn't see any real monster numbers out of anybody? That that it really did become a a, a really kind of balancing act type of race. It wasn't a, it was not a throwdown type of race. Yeah, you know, and, and I really was kind of shocked about that. I mean, it wasn't because we didn't have a great racetrack underneath us. Yeah. I think it was just these these cars were making so much power, like they couldn't apply the power yeah. to the racetrack. You know, I mean, we had the shortest rod we could in there, the the thickest head gasket on there. We we're trying to get all this compression out of it, slow the blowers down. So these crew teams were really, I think, focusing on not trying to make monster runs, but just just to get the the race car and their engine program reeled in just enough to where they could tame it down to to put the power to the racetrack because. You know, one thing about these cars, it's easy to make them run faster and harder, sure. but it's really hard to pull a fast car back, you know? No, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned a minute ago about, you know, the environment that, that Tony Stewart's created there at TSR for, for not just you and, and Dickie, but I'm wondering what that environment's like for the crew guys. Do they feel the same way that you guys do? Is it is it the same type of, you know, like we, we're being entrusted to do this and this guy's, this guy's looking at us saying get the job done and he's not breathing down our neck? Is that kind of the same feeling they're having as well? Well, you know, I mean, my guys, this is the first time in all the years I've been doing it that they're, there's, you know, everybody's excited to show up for work. They're there early. They got a smile on their face. You know, they're making more money too. You know what I mean? And, and money's, yeah. you know, drives everything. You know, yep. these guys are really, Tony Stewart's really paying these dudes what they're worth, man. And, and I'm glad for it. I mean, those guys, they blood, sweat, and tear out here, man. And, and they, they pour their souls and heart, you know, into these, these yeah. cars. And they can go drive for Walmart and make a hundred grand a year over road trucking. <laughs> right. They don't, they don't do that, man. They make half of that and want to be on a race car team and set up the tents and pull those stuff down and drive the big rig and wrench on the car and they sweat their shirts out to where they look white when they're black sweatshirts you know i mean just just they they pour their whole soul into this man and and for those guys to you know really get a pay bump to move over there to to tsr and and, you know those guys be happy i'm just it puts a smile on my face you know and and those guys genuinely are are excited to come to work and be a part of this 
Yeah, and and that relationship, you know, between you and the crew goes back for so many years. It's great that everybody's kind of feeling the feeling the same energy, and you can see it. You can see it in the way the car's running. Of course, multiple final round appearances. This final round was interesting on a personal level as well because I don't know if a lot of people understand how long you have known Blake Alexander. I mean, you guys raced door cars against each other back in the day. Yeah, we went to the same college, man. Like we're same from the same place, you know, like. You know, we went to Radford University and, and uh, you know, just we've, we've been around each other. And, and I'm always, you know, uh, we, we chat back and forth on the phone and text and stuff and keep up with each other. And, and uh, you know, it was just it's one of those things where I knew the trophy was coming back to Virginia one way or another. It just didn't know who it was going to be, you know. Yeah, it was great, and uh, we, you know, we captured some of that audio. I think they used it at the uh, on social media, and it was cool. It was a neat moment yeah, between well, the two of you. And it was a super special weekend for Blake, you know, with them guys oh, yeah. losing their crew member, and and I wanted it for him as much as they wanted it. You know, I mean, you could tell Blake wanted it. I mean, he had tears in his eyes up there, man. And I, and I, you know, and I I didn't want to take that away from him, but you know, as a competitor, you're there to win. And, oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I. And I, and I lost a special friend that I was trying to honor in Phoenix, you know, and I, honestly, I got down on my knees, man, and I asked God, I said, you know, if you'll let me honor this man, you know, I'll give all the glory to God, you know, and, and do that. And I didn't didn't get it done in Phoenix. We lost, you know, and that was kind of kind of one of the things you shake your fist at God a little bit. You're like, why, man? Like, you know, we're here and it didn't happen, but it just is kind of one of those things where his wife was able to be at the racetrack in Gainesville where we won. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of funny how, you know, I don't know how many people are super spiritual or not, but like, I definitely believe in, it's just weird how things work out to, for his wife to be there. And we were able to honor him and, and, you know, and, and dedicate that to him, you know, and, and be a, her to be a part of that, you know? So it's like, he kind of laughs at your plans, you know what I mean? So it was just, it was a special weekend for me all the way around with, with Dickie and Tony and, and his wife being there and, and everything else. So it's, it's just, uh, it was a, special special weekend it really it really was on and especially on that level um when we look going forward obviously the next next stop is going to be las vegas you know when we look at the early returns here in funny car we, we see three cars you caps and and certainly height that have uh, kind of been the pace setters in my opinion so far obviously wilkerson's thrown down some numbers cruz has thrown down some numbers um do you feel as though this season is going to kind of materialize like last year did in the sense of there's going to be five six maybe even seven cars capable of winning a championship by the time we get to the end of the year yeah i mean you always look at the beginning and the end you know what i mean like the cars that run well at the beginning of the season usually run well at the end of the season because of the conditions and the speed and the horsepower and stuff like that what makes it so tricky is during the middle of the season and being able to navigate the heat and the the racetrack and you know conditions that sometimes make these racetracks turn into one-lane racetracks you know so i'm really hoping as far as a you know setup tune-up side of things that we we can navigate the as it starts to get you know hotter but i feel like there's always going to be a handful of cars i mean you can't count any of these guys out and i mean you look at wilkie man you know i mean yeah. he's throwing down you know what i mean and and uh you know i mean cruz always runs good i mean that's that's tommy johnson's old crew chief and crew and you know i mean there's just so many people i mean force all of them robert i mean i honestly i i respect robert more than i do anybody out here as far as a racer goes i mean the guy always runs heads up he never fools around on the start line he races his race um you know and it just it's always been – I always love running Robert. I mean, it just I just know we're going to have a good race. It's going to be a throwdown. And, and he's just – I mean, not that he needs my respect, but he's earned my respect. And I, and I love running him as a competitor because he's a great leaver. And he makes me get up and makes me want to leave on him. And, you know, and, and there's there's not a few a lot of guys out there that, that does that for me. And I know that, that when I come to the starting line, I better have my, my stuff together or he's going to leave on me, man. And, and he's a good driver. He doesn't drive it out of the groove. He doesn't hit stuff. He's not running stuff over. And, and 
and he just got a good car. So I, I truly love, I mean, I was expecting to see Robert in the semis and I was getting myself up for that. And, you know, I was like, man, we're, we're going to put a stop to this right here. You know what I mean? So it's just, but that's the mentality that you, you know, you want to race those type of people, you know? Yeah. And, and listen to your credit, uh, that respect is, is uttered by your fellow drivers about you. I mean, I hear that really, I hear your name and Robert's name included in the same sentence more times than I can count regarding what you just said about Robert. The other racers say that about oh, you. And, and, and listen, man. is there, um, there's no better form of flattery than that, but also it means that they are coming up there to, to, to try to yeah. knock your, you know, what in the dirt every time as well. I'm telling you, brother, I'm like, everybody I race, I'm like, can you just have a bad light against me? Like, when, when do I ever get a break? You know what I mean? Like, everybody comes up there and has their best light of the weekend against me. And I'm just like, just just one time, just have an off light. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's good, though. Certainly keeps things interesting. And uh, I did not look up the numbers, but in, off the top of your head, your personal history in Vegas, if I remember correctly, is pretty strong. Yeah, you know, we do well in Vegas, but, you know, it's it's a four-wide, man. And, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, you really have to take that in perspective because the four-wide, like, I can't see the other two cars leave the starting line. So I got to run it down there no matter what, you know what I mean? So it makes for a crazy show for the fans. And, and it's just, it's one of those things where you, you know, you have to, you have to jump on it and, and know in that mentality of like, I got to make this car go to the end on Sunday, no matter what, you know? So whether it's on fire or, or whatever it is, it's got to go to the finish line, you know? So uh, the four wides get pretty crazy. And plus the starting line attribute. I mean, I've red lit up there. I've won the four wide up. You name it up. I've, <laughs> I've done it. I messed it up. You, you know, wrote the book with it too, but it's just, you just don't know what you're going to get. So you kind of take those two four wides and throw them in the mix of like, we'll just see where this lands, you know? And last thing I want to bring up is, is, you know, the, the Phoenix race was packed with people all three days. Gainesville, of course, was horrendous until it wasn't, and then it was packed with people. And the other thing we're seeing here is full fields. So these two things excite me maybe more than anything we got going on this year because you know this deal to me overall feels as healthy or healthier than it has in a long time, and it seems to be translating to our fans and to the racers. Well, I mean, it, it really is, Brian, and that's what we need, you know, to see. Like, when, when I did a burnout on, on, you know, Sunday and, like, it just slammed out there, man, and, and Saturday, you know, when we did get to run, people poured into these mud holes, man, and parked yeah. their cars in the ditch to be able to come out here and watch us run. You know what I mean? It was it was amazing, you know, and, and it, it gives me chill bumps when I do a burnout and see all those folks and, you know, you want to put on a show for them and it, it makes you, uh, you know, want to be that, that showman like John Horser, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of, it's just really cool, man, to see like we're getting back to what, what I would consider or feels like normal life again. And, and, and that's huge, you know, cause so many companies and so many small businesses and, and so many racing industries took such a hard hit with this COVID stuff. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, everybody has to take precaution, but I am so, glad to see that we're getting back to what what looks like normal again you know yeah and listen i like the fact that uh qualifying is not like a birthright just because you show up uh you're not guaranteed to be in the field anymore we get 18 funny cars in the sheet in uh in 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 vegas which is a great thing and so we'll have a bump spot there as well and it's uh it's been fun to watch over the course of three races we got 19 more to go and i'm sure you and i will be chatting again before the end of the season but matt congratulations on the gainesville success and you know again it, congratulations on on what appears to be a great period of your life man because it's fun to watch it's fun to watch you haul ass out of the car and you know you get a <laughs> smile three feet wide and it, and it just leaps off the screen 
Well, I'm just I'm excited to be there. Very blessed to be there, man. But like I said, we can't do it without our fans, and and they're obviously you know pouring in and, and supporting what we do, and and uh, you know so like you know the people that go out and buy the the Hellcats and the Dodges and the Power Broker stuff and add stuff to their car, like that's what keeps us in business, man. And guys that listen, guys and gals that listen to your show and go out here and support what we do. So I mean, it all comes back down to our fans, like you were talking about, Brian, and and it just you know it makes a full circle. So without them, we're nothing, man. You know and and we're just glad to be able to put on a show for him. He's Matt Hagan. He is shooting for another championship this year, and he'll be shooting for another Vegas win. Thanks, Matt. Hey, thanks, Brian. You guys take care. So we conclude one conversation with a funny car racer in the form of Matt Hagan. We go from the East Coast. We go zipping immediately to the West Coast. And instead of talking about cattle farming and everything else, we're going to keep talking funny cars this time with Shane Westerfield. Shane, how you doing, man? Oh, pretty good. How about you, sir? Doing great. And, uh, boy, you guys have just come off the, out of the blocks just on fire, man. You win Pomona, and then you go down there and win the regional in Phoenix. This is uh, this is pretty much the way that uh, everybody wants to get a season started. Oh, yeah. No, it's a it's a great start right now. And the team, you know, we're, we're gelling real good, and um, they're doing their job, and I'm trying my best not to screw it up. You know, we always joke <laughs> that the, all, all drivers are set up for failure. They can't make it go any better than it when it leaves the pits. So, but, uh I'm doing my best right now, and uh, and Rick and Jimmy are doing a great job calling the shots. So it's uh, it's it's exciting. You know, you're the you were the 2017 uh, world champion in Top Alcohol Funny Car, and and when you look around at the team you have around you now, and and you look at this start, um, it's way too early in the season to talk championships. But is this team of that caliber of, the, of that championship team in 17? Oh, 100. percent You know, everyone that's involved in this, you know, they haven't. Oh, well, a couple guys in the team have won championships before. Um, but it, this is this is the talk right now that we're that we're talking. You know, we're our goal is to is to try to win the championship 100. percent And uh, and if not, we're going to go down swinging. You know, Rick's not scared to throw everything at it that we have right now. And uh, and Jimmy, you know, he's he wants to rip everyone's head off when he pulls into the pit. So <laughs> it's a uh, it's an exciting combination we have. And um, you know, it's 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 going to be good. You know, we we got some new things we've been trying that we tested in Phoenix and they seem to work out. So hopefully that momentum carries on to Vegas. And really, this is the attitude you got to have in this class anymore, right? I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna take on a Doug Gordon, you're gonna take on a Bellamy, you're gonna take on these premier cars around the country. There's no sense going in there just trying to do okay. You really have to come in with uh, with everything you got loaded up. Oh, you gotta you gotta go just both, both guns loaded at all times, ready to go. You can't hold anything back. You can't have it a little bit on the rich side. You can't be a little bit low on wheel speed. You gotta be aggressive. Every run you make, it's gotta be on the edge. You know the the days of let's just go down and try to and just try to just squeak by to win the round that those are gone and, and everyone now for somehow has figured out how to cut lights you know it seemed like four or five years ago I used to have an advantage that advantage is gone you know you better go be in the twenties and thirties every round if not you're getting left on. Yeah, and that's that's an element of uh, of top alcohol funny car racing that I don't think gets enough attention is the is the starting line stuff, and I don't mean the wacky staging stuff. I mean the actual need that you have, as you just said, if you're if you're fifty or sixty uh, against a decent car, you can pretty much forget about it. Correct. Yeah. No, you're you're getting left on. Um, I got left on last year by uh, Matt Gill. Right now, I, I think I had a fifty light. He drilled me with the with a 40 and I left on, or I went at 35 against Gordon. He went 10. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like I said, it, all that is gone. You better be 30 or better and uh, you better be sharp and, uh, and be ready to go at all times. You know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is, is the top alcohol funny car category as a fan of it. You know, I look at it and I'm getting concerned, right? I'm getting concerned, not at the quality of the cars because the cars that are out there are freaking awesome from top to bottom. It's a quantity problem we're having right now. And I kind of want your thoughts on that. I mean, if you were the, you know, the czar of this whole thing and you could wave a wand, what would you do to change to try to get more participation out there? 
man, that's been the uh, that's been the topic now for a couple of years, and it's it's kind of been a combination, I think, of uh, just money. You know, it's a lot. It costs a lot to go run these things, and uh, what teams have done or or people are doing now, they're they're teaming up with each other. You know, you're kind of seeing that going right now with like Chris Marshall and Gasparelli. Yep, you saw that happen with myself and Rick Jackson. Uh, you've seen that happening where, like, with Bellmer park his own family car to go drive for for Barton, you know. So you're taking two cars, putting them into one, and it just kind of cut everything in half. So the cars we have are great quality. We just, like you're saying, we don't have the quantity. The fix, uh, you know, I, I don't know right now because you don't really want to – you don't want to wreck the class because the style of the class, it's a driver's class, you yeah, know. with absolutely. You know, most it's a, you know, got it's a pedal clutch, it's like a fast street car. you got to rev them up. you got to shift them. You don't want to make them – easier to drive to get people in there because that's that's what we that's what we thrive on it's it's a difficult thing to get into and it, and, it, and it's hard to go make these things go a to b every lap and we like to keep it that way just how do you attract more at this point i don't know you know it's it, it, it's tough and uh doug gordon's doing a great job he's our class rep and he's out calling people up and and trying to pump them up to get back out there and, but it, you know it's funny we, we we called into um five star to order a new body uh, a couple weeks ago and there was 20 on back order for smoke. car bodies. Yeah, so, so where do they go? Somebody's buying them. <laughs> someone's buying them. They're coming out somewhere. <laughs> so hopefully that's a good sign of things to come, you know, that we're going we're gonna to see some new guys coming out there. And there's some new blood coming in, some younger guys that are, that are that are showing up to a couple races here and there, and it's just, you know, a little bit of funding for them and hopefully get them traveling a little bit and get this thing built back up. Yeah, and and you know it's the foundation is certainly there, as you said. I mean, it's not like you're trying to create something out of nothing. The 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 the, the foundation of the cars that we have are so good. The knowledge base in the category is so wide that the people who want to come in, there are certainly the the ability to pick up the phone and get yourself hooked up with a good tuner or with people that can give you good advice exists. So uh, to your point, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that something kind of sparks this and and to hear that there are twenty bodies on back order at five stars is as you said that's actually a pretty good piece of news i want to talk about drag boat racing because this is something that i know you're super passionate about super successful at and something that i know and virtually i think most NHRA fans know virtually nothing about so talk to me about your drag boat racing career and why this is something that you love so much you know it's just something that uh i was kind of born into it um my dad started racing back in the late 70s early 80s and it all kind of stems from no different than drag racers you know they typically start on the street racing their novas and chevelles or whatever it might be and then they get into the drag race or the, the actual nhra side a bit of real racing it's no different on the on the boat side you're typically you're you're racing on the river on saturday nights and then it turns into let's go to a race and and then it turns into okay better get me a new bow and then new motors and it just kind of gets rolling um the boat thing, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not very smart. You know, we're going 140, 150 miles an hour, gliding across water. You know, it's a, it's basically a frisbee with a blower on it. That's all it is. And uh, But it's it's a lot of fun. It, it's a thrill. And I kind of compare it to the type of boat that I drive. It's kind of like driving an alcohol funny car where we have a, a gas pedal, obviously, you hit the gas, and then we have what you call a down pedal, and it controls the attitude of the boat, and you have to drive it all the way down the racetrack. You don't just rely on the setup and – it's the most challenging boat to drive, so of course we, we had to pick that because for some reason we like a good challenge in our life. Well, and I think and, too, uh, I think people need to understand. Like, I think when a lot of people think about drag boat racing, if they don't know anything about it, they think the hydroplane with a capsule on it. You're in a flat bottom open cockpit boat, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Jeez, still, Louise, man. Oh yeah, wear a, a parachute jacket going around you, an open face helmet with a pair of Climax goggles <laughs> that they used to wear in the old fighter planes. You know, <laughs> just. 
trying to keep the old style alive. I'm a very nostalgic style person. Even um, the guys on the on the funny car crew kind of make fun of me because I still got the old style '80s paint job on my helmet. You know, the old style driving suit with the stripes going down the pants. You know, I, I was born in the wrong era, 100. percent You know, I'm about 30 years too young. You know, so it's um it's it's fun though. I like it. It's a good camaraderie out there, and uh, everyone kind of gets along and. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's a different version of the car racing, but it's, it's, they're both exciting. You know, it's a thrill to, you know, when you're on the road, you get the thing running and it's loud behind you and you hit the gas, you're, you're hanging on for your life. You know, it's no, no different than a funny car. It's just, it's just different. That's all. Yeah. And, and, and it goes beyond just your love of it. I mean, you guys, have, your family has basically made a business out of it. If my understanding is correct too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we were in the trade show industry for uh, 34 years. We uh, just missed a 35 year mark. And then obviously, you know, when the pandemic happened, it just, uh, we were in the same category as concerts and, uh, and events and, and it wasn't coming back anytime soon. So uh, my dad made the move. We'll cut that off. And we, we, we were already kind of working on boats and doing engines on the side anyways. And, and uh, well, let's just roll it into our full time and thought, you know, if we get a couple boats here and there to work on, it'll be good. And, I have a 4,000 square foot shop that holds about four boats. I have six crammed in here right now. I got seven, eight motors going on right now. And it's, it's absolutely gone. Just bonkers gone crazy. So it's, it's exciting to go to work each day and I get to work with dad and we hired a couple people to come help us. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, turn up, turn a hobby into a business. No, it's a, it's a great story. I mean, it's uh it's kind of the, the dream everybody has. If you take something that you're passionate about, not just on, on pavement, but certainly this, your family legacy in the water to be able to turn that into a successful venture is, uh, is fantastic. So let's look forward through the rest of the season. Uh, you mentioned you're going to Vegas, which is great. Kind of what is the season looking like? How, how far ahead have you guys looked and what's the layout? We had started with about a 12 race schedule, which really isn't enough to, really win the championship unless you win them all which obviously that's what you want to do and on paper that looks great but that's <laughs> right. just that's just not going to happen um and it just we're kind of like we're going to do the 12 and then um if you know if we keep winning and uh, and funding comes in here a little bit i'm sure we're going to be sneaking another another few in where we got other we got races on the schedule as like a on the side type of thing you know if we're going to go I and mean, we're going to indy for sure you know we we, it's to the point right now, you can't go hide from cars, you can't hide from Bellum, or you can't hide from Gordon, because the only ones that could beat them are, are us, are ourselves, you know? Yep. And so to, to stop them, you got to be there. So it's, it's kind of what it's turned into. So we're going to, we're going to dabble around a little bit, but the next, the next two in a row, we're going to do the Vegas National for the four wide and the Vegas Regional. And, uh, and you got Denver and Topeka and like I said, Indy and Dallas and all that. So we, we might sneak a few others here and there, just kind of depending on, uh, on how we're looking. You know, uh, you've had obviously a career. I think you've won Pomona what three times, maybe four with the with the one you got this year. Um, this this four wide format is obviously very new. The first time we ever did it with alcohol cars was was last year. Uh, you know, give me two give me two examples of how racing an alcohol funny car in this four wide situation is different than say racing a nitro car. Which I know you haven't done that four wide, but I know you've done it two wide. You know, I was real nervous going into it just because of there, there's habits that people have created that you know I'm. I'm real good at trying to pay attention to what guys do as far as how long they got the motors revved up. Do they give you one little throttle whack before they're going to rev it up? And obviously, if you're only racing one other person, you can do that. Now you're listening for three other people. So I was real nervous going into Vegas last year for that. But it was like everyone was on their best behavior. No one was trying to hang anyone out. (laughs) So that worked out great, you know. So it was like we all just kind of agreed, just see the top light, count to one, rev it up park it and go in there you know and and it worked out great no one really screwed up so so that compared to i guess a nitro car going in there where 
it's just I, I remember when I was when I did drive the nitro car, I didn't want to screw anybody up. As soon as the top light was on, I was high side, dumped the clutch, and I built that thing right in. I didn't I didn't want to be the new guy screwing anybody up. And uh, and I kind of treated the same way with the alcohol yeah. car, especially for those four wide, because if you're going to get in a fight down there, instead of have one guy beat you up, you're going to have three beat you up if you screw up. So, so you'll see me. I'll probably be the first or second one on stage here next weekend, but that's all right. We just go in and, and, and get it done. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be great. The the four wide race always does attract a massive crowd out there in Vegas, and it's kind of a uh, a really kind of fun. It's a fun race. I think that the fall, the spring and fall races in Vegas have such different personalities. Not just because two and four wide, but that attitude of in the spring, it's early in the season, everybody's having a good time, the smiles are on. And when we get back there, as you well know, if you're contending for a championship, everybody's there. It's a high pressure situation, and obviously you have the regional event and the national event like you do in the spring. But that that attitude is so much different in the fall. Oh, 100%. It's cutthroat at that time and what's going on. And it uh, seems like you said by the end of the year, everyone's kind of got their stuff figured out and they're going fast. And that Vegas regional end of the year, it's it's just a feat just to qualify because you got, you know, how at least it used to be, you got 20 cars national event. Typically, 16, 17 of them stay for the regional and you're in Vegas, high elevation. It takes a low 50 just to qualify for the event, let alone to go try to go do the race. So you're in the middle of a championship. And you're just trying to run a high 40 just to get in. And that's not an easy thing itself. So it's, it's cutthroat. You know, you get down there, like I said, towards the end of the year, we tried, we tried not even to run the Vegas regional at the end of the year anymore, you know, just, just because of it. But more than likely this year, if we're in the championship hunt, we're going to, we're going to be right there. Well, Shane, I appreciate you taking the time away from the, uh, the, the the boat parking lot you got going on there in your shop and the motors going together. And uh, it's been it's been really fun to watch this beginning of this season shape up. Certainly, congratulations on the success that you've had with Rick Jackson Motorsports. And uh, I can't wait to see how this shakes out, man. I got a, I got a feeling that it's going to be a Bellamure, uh, Westerfield, Gordon show as we go down the stretch this year. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you guys are still still talking about us by uh by come november yes we will be shane westerfield thanks so much man thank you great to catch up with shane westerfield a guy who has uh you know a very decorated career already with that 2017 national championship a multitude of national event and regional level victories and certainly a fighting chance early in the season to be a championship contender in the top alcohol funny card division of the lucas oil drag racing series and the nhra camping world universe over the course of 2022 Great to catch up with those two racers, two guys that uh, certainly are are kind of born and bred funny car racers and very different people, but certainly uh, have much of the same skill set to do what they do and to do it so successfully. We'll be back next week with a preview show for the Four Wide Nationals. We'll talk about who's hot, who's not, and who should be looking over their shoulder already, even though we're only three races in. It promises to be a great weekend in Las Vegas. You can grab your tickets on NHRA.com to be part of one of the most unique events on the NHRA Tour. If you've seen the four-wide race in Charlotte, you've seen a great show, but you have to go see it in Vegas. Why? Because it's Vegas, baby. It's a whole different atmosphere, a whole different vibe, a whole different environment. Thanks for listening to the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm Brian Loans. We'll be back next week with more insight, information, and breaking news from the world of NHRA Lucas Oil Drag Racing, NHRA Camping World Drag Racing, the NHRA Pro Mod Series, and a whole lot more. See you then.